Hi, everybody. We really hope you enjoy this next episode. We absolutely love doing them. We're trying to grow this uh, this community and we're trying to spread the word. And you're a big part of that. So if we could ask that if you go to wherever you get your podcasts and if you're not already doing so, follow the show and share it with all your network, that would be much appreciated. Secondly, if you'd like to write us a review, that really helps to get us noticed and move us up the, the league tables of the podcasts uh, and spread that word. Lastly, we really wanted to thank you for all of your feedback, all of you that have taken the time to reach out to us, either with pointers of where we can improve, suggestions of who we could interview, or uh, just give us words of encouragement. It's really very much appreciated. Thank you so much, and please keep it coming. Uh, and lastly, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Um, we love doing these podcasts, and hopefully you enjoy them too. Hello and welcome to the NRG podcast, The Horse That Asked Why and Other Stories. Interview Anto, what have we done? Is it, is that hasn't been a month, has it? It's been, it's, been, it's been a while, but welcome to the latest episode of the NRG podcast, The Horse That Asked Why and Other Stories. It has been far too long since we've even had a catch-up, fellas. Are we recording? What has been... We are recording now. <laughs> oh, I know, we haven't go. lost okay. it. We haven't right. lost it. Look at, look at the, the technicality and the grasp of what we're actually doing. The professionalism's still there. That's what I love, <laughs> is the professionalism. <laughs> the honed, hardened professionals of the past. After almost... Oh, Roscoe's got his hand up. He hasn't forgotten how to do that. Look at that. Go, go, go. Nick May. What have you yes. been up to? Let's do round the house. What's Nick May been oh, up to? I've not been, you know, I've been, I've not actually been doing anything va- really vaguely horse related. We have just been getting ready for winter. So it's been a lot of gravel. It's been a lot of covering <laughs> stuff with tarpaulins because the snow is going to snow this week. For those um, of our new listeners, what's the benefit of gravel when you live in Norway? And have horses. Okay. So the big problem that we have isn't so much snow, it is ice. Uh, and therefore, if the pallets get, uh, and we have a couple of weeks below zero, and then we have a couple of be- weeks above zero where everything thaws, and then it goes below and everything freezes. So what we need to do is get as much drainage into our paddocks so that when we do get a thaw, that water goes as quickly as possible and we don't have ice rinks for paddocks. So we dump in lots and lots of gravel into the paddocks, particularly the high footfall areas around the feeds and stuff, so that they will drain as quickly as possible and uh, the horses find it easier to move around. We reduce the number of injuries and it's just generally more pleasant for them. Go Makes sense. So if you have, like in England and Ireland and possibly other European countries like Norway, they, they, they put stock in, they shed them over the winter with cattle. If you yep. have a shed with horses yep. in it, do you still need to have gravel in it? Is it that cold it would, shed, would still freeze inside, like their piss and, and that sort of stuff? Uh, yes, if it's, not, if it's not an insulated barn, then it will freeze because the problem that we face is also is the fact that the that it freezes from the ground up, not just from the ground down. Right. Wow. Right. So, um, so 
even if you if you don't have your if you don't have your foundations set right and you have you don't have insulation in your foundations um then obviously any concrete that you've got will just conduct um conduct cold straight up into your straight up into your structure so mind blowing so what about talk us through your new accessory in the paddock that we saw on social media oh my god it is game changer um so i've sold yeah i've sold a kidney um because we just can't we just can't be doing digging water out of we just can't be dealing with frozen water troughs talk anymore. us through that talk us through that give us for the for our new listeners what is what is what do you have to do on a daily basis so your horses can drink we have to uh one go out and we can't leave the water for so we have big water troughs that are about uh, about five six hundred liters uh, and we can't leave them for more than about an eight hour period or they freeze both from the top down and from the bottom up so effectively about two or three times a day we have to go out break the ice and then basically fish all of the ice out of the water troughs uh, and then top them up with jerry cans of hot water to try and keep uh, because there's no point in running hoses out from the barn because the hose freezes by the time you've actually got it out to the water trough so we have to fill <laughs> we have to fill um jerry cans of hot water and then basically trek them out to the paddocks and when i say we i do of course mean my wife i'm very good at the management of of that process delegation i I'm a, um, I, I do enjoy your managing it from the tractor from the heated tractor and beeping yeah. your horn yeah beeping the horn and frightening your Never wife. Gets old. i must say i love taya but every time I, I, I cannot get, I still can't get enough of those videos, even though I know what's about to happen. Uh, it's so bad. And you would have thought she got wise to it as well, but no. <laughs> nah. But no. I thought so, she yeah, so we, me by now. Oh, no, she loves me way too much. Okay. Too so, much. sorry, I've taken you off topic. Yeah. Back to, yeah. back to your new toy, uh, whatever you oh, call it's it. Not, it's not a toy. So, so it is a 250-litre insulated water trough which also has a heating element in it um which is going to keep our water uh, above freezing your horse's water trough is a heated yeah. water trough so what happens if you if you have you got some jets in it so you can just dip in there and do a little bit of a hot and cold treatment get in there yourself and warm up and go out roll in the snow and go back in i probably could i probably could but i've spent enough periods of my life cold wet and uncomfortable to realize that it's not necessarily something that i want to do for recreational <laughs> reasons i'll leave all that cold water plunges to other people yeah I, I did it i did it professionally for 16 years and <laughs> it's done absolutely nothing for my body i don't care what anybody says it's awful uh, so no, i'm not doing any of that so you so theoretically you won't have to check this trough at all like it's just done that, that, that it- we'll have to we'll still have to fill it but we won't have to go out and break the ice every eight hours or so oh, okay so you don't have insulated pipes running to it because they still freeze yeah exactly well okay. unless you unless you dig those in below the frost line which is about a meter then those pipes are going to freeze and seeing as seeing as we're only about 30 centimeters from rock we physically can't get below the frost line right Jesus. amazing 
So, so it is one of the more challenging environments. I know there's other people out there who've got challenging environments to keep your horses, but um, and I'm so I'm not going to complain. There's, there's, I mean, you guys deal with heat, which is another challenge altogether. But it's a lot of work. It is, Glenn Gilmore. What have you been up to? Um, well, I've just had a look. It was the 29th of September that we interviewed Anto White. So that's a month. We've had a bit on. So oh, wow. we were. That's when I saw you, Roscoe, for the Scone Junior School, which we talked about. And we've then were in Sydney for a couple of weeks. Uh, I went down to Melbourne for a um, for a thing called a Roaring Forties lunch um, with a friend. And then came back, um, and unfortunately I have to bring this up because we lost someone very close to us, a very good friend, Whitney Warren, mm-hmm. passed away. We went down to Adelaide for her funeral, which was one of the toughest things that uh, we've had to do. So to anyone that knew Whitney, we know how tough she was. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional here, but... Um, yeah, we uh, we said goodbye to Whitney, and um, we uh, yeah we said goodbye. So it was pretty pretty tough. And then we've come back to Sydney, played some polo, and we've been at Elliston for two weeks. So it's been um, it's been full on, flat out. Horses everywhere, people everywhere. Influx of something like six hundred horses into Elliston, and three hundred people all stay on site. And the final was yesterday. Uh, Elliston Red ran out winners with Raúl Laplacette, who. I hope we get to put onto the podcast soon. Um, I've been we've been at Elliston here since 1986 was the first year I came in, and then we saw the first person that made a real impact that was non-Elliston. And the reason I say non-Elliston is because they're not on the Elliston horses, which are you know Gary Gary Packer spent so much money getting those horses right. The first person was Lolo Castagnola that made a big difference and was sort of dominant, non-dominant, non-Elliston dominant, if that makes sense. And there's been quite a few others that have been very, very good that have come through, you know, um, non-Argentines as well. Was Lolo dominant for Was Lolo dominant for a, a number of years? Or because I, I actually only remember seeing him the year when I was up there grooming, and you got and Ronnie Wanless dominated yeah. when he with you yeah. guys. Yeah, tried to. But was he, and anyway, he was dominant year after year after year. Yeah, for quite a few to- for a few years with Bobby Hannon and those guys and and Chester, the old gelding there that he came out with Chester and and he was um, amazing that horse. Yeah, mate. Well, he was turned up to be an umpire pony and and Lolo said, "Bobby, Bobby, I want to ride this one." So he rode it. He was, "Oh my god, I'm going to play this." And it was then his best horse. Yes, Nick. He was from Scotland. Bob. <laughs> Get stuffed. It's from Scotland. But didn't Bobby play it like early in the game, and then Lolo yeah. played in the art in later in the game? Could do, but then when Lolo when Lolo got hold of it, it, it went little, well. He literally just said, "Yeah, I'm going to play it every chuck." <laughs> yes, Nicholas. But what was when you're saying you came in and Lolo came in and made a made an impact? What was it? His style of play was it? His intensity it just dominated. What, no one what, is, it, what is it that really? made people sit up. Yeah, no one could beat him. He was just good. He came in and grabbed hold of the ball and would just go and score and got everyone going. And it was um, – and as I say, it's a non-Elliston player because when you come to Elliston to play against Elliston, you, you're you in – you know, you're behind the eight ball to start with. They've got amazing horses. They already know what the fields go like, feel like, and all that sort of stuff. And Raul Laplace said in the last couple of years has done that here in Australia. He has been dominant. 
and the guy doesn't own a horse. He's so smooth. He uses everyone on his team. He never gets frustrated. He rides the horses beautifully. He just knows where he where he where he needs to be. And so, did who mounted him? Because they had you had Tommy in there as well, didn't you? Yeah, Tommy Thomas Gavarini had some Elliston horses and um, and did really well. They had young Jack Grimes, who had just lost the eight goal final in the game before, so he played two finals in a row. Young Jack Grimes, he's an incredible season here in Australia. Won everything in Queensland with Tom Hunt. And um, he's come down here and lost the eight-goal final to Elliston Pink, which was Rob Bates, um, who is um, Francesca um, Barham's um, partner. Then there's Alfie Hyde, uh, Matt Grimes, and Dylan Jones. So Dylan's just been given the best young player, uh, two goals and under in Australia. He's playing seriously well. Matty Grimes came out and played awesome, and Alfie Hyde got MVP. He was very, very good. Alfie Hyde from from uh, from England. Yeah, yes, Nick. I've got to say, pink is becoming a recurrent theme in a lot of <laughs> teams at the moment. I'm seeing that obviously you got Elliston Pink, you got Lahache rocked out in the pink yesterday. You know, I'd like to think that that is a lot of that is down to the impact of the of the podcast that we're, we're bringing, we're bringing pink back into fashion. Uh, for those that don't it. know, Nick, you better give them for, for, for some of our people that don't follow what's going on in Argentina. So it was the Tortugas final yesterday of uh, La Natividad against La Hache, um with one of our previous guest stars, uh, Sapo Cassette. And, um, Fran Elizalde, obviously, uh, Hilario Joa and uh, Pelisa Pierres, all of whom, I mean, are ringing me all the time asking to come on the podcast. And I'm like, no, I've got to speak to Ross and Glenn first. I want to get the rundown. And they're like, please, Nick, I want to come. I'm like, no, pack it, stop it, leave it. We'll get to you. Um, but yeah, they, they rocked out into the final of the Tortugas yesterday in a stunning hot pink outfit. Ensemble. They look really cool. Yeah, good. Anyway, let me finish my Elliston wrap-up, please. So, boom. That was Elliston Pink beat Will Gilmore, um, Jack Grimes, and Will Gilmore got um, champion pony in a losing team, which was amazing, with a homebred horse of his called Tiptoe. And uh, then they had Anna Dowling and Olivia Dugovrick. Olivia had never played this level at Elliston before, and Anna Dowling had come up, and I'm not sure if she played the eight goal at Elson before, but they have the two girls and Will and Jack, and they were in the lead for all of the game. Um, into the fourth, they went to score four times at the top end, missed them all, and then uh, Elliston came out in the last, and um, Alfie Hyde scored a ridiculous goal in the top end, almost like a tennis shot back through. It was going wide and flicked it back in. Hit a 60 with, with um, like, just with nonchalant ease, hit it f- through beautifully, and then Elliston won. Yeah, so it was um, that was tough for for the Bannerby Angus side, which was uh, Olivia Dugovic's side. In the sub-final, Elliston White beat Sandalford, and in the main final, there was Lockie, Dirk Gould, Juanchi Ambrosio, and Alex Zach. Yeah, they lost to Shane Finnamore, Jack Grimes, Thomas Garberini, and Raul Laplacette, who got the best pony with a horse called Campagna, which is owned by um, Shane Finnamore and the Gardenvale team. And uh, he got MVP as well and deserved MVP. Raul was the best player here for the whole week. He was um, outstanding. 
good. He's doing so many things different to the to the rest of the polo world. I'm really looking forward to getting him getting him on the on on the podcast and chatting to him. So if you could just pull your finger out, Glenn, and get that organised, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Done, locked and loaded, easy. Uh, and so then we're off to Sydney this week. Yes. No, we go to Sydney this week. There's another 16-goal tournament that starts in Sydney. And also the Melbourne Cup's on at the same time. I'm going to go down to Melbourne, to the Melbourne Cup. I was coaching a team here for the eight-goal called Rathgormack, and they lost to Elliston Pink in the semis. Um, John Grant is the uh, is the owner of the Rathgormack team, and they have Jack Burner and Aidan Nunn, Toby Dowling, and... Um, and uh, Rob Moran were in their team, and they did really, really well. But Pink were too strong for them in the semi-final, and then they ended up being too strong for the other team in the final of the eight goals. So they were very good. We will be in Melbourne for a couple of weeks, uh, and then I'm going to Argentina for a couple of weeks to go and watch a bit of polo down there and hopefully coach a few people. New Zealand on the way home, coming to see you, Roscoe, um, do some coaching in the North Island and the South Island. Then I will go and see my wife for Christmas. Exciting. And then- and then, okay, I'm coming to Norway. Yes, he's coming to the cold. That's going to be coming. an interesting podcast. Can we go skiing? Yeah, yeah, of course we're going to go skiing. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? The, you want to go uphill or downhill? <laughs> I'm definitely not doing uphill skiing. Downhill. I'm not putting on those stupid skates things. That is you that, is that a genuine question? Is that a genuine yeah. question? Do some people yeah. do, will you walk out there, go decide? Oh, I'm going to go uphill today. <laughs> yeah, you do cross country skiing. <laughs> is when you do, is when you're going to go. Is when you put your little you put your little racy numbers on. You put little your, your trainers on and clip into your skis and off you go. Is that like? Is that like like if you say I ride horses and and the the rodeo guys that ride the buck jumpers they'd be going and doing that and then like the lunatics. And then we go and do our our stuff, or what? Or does everyone do that uphill stuff? Every, uh, actually, uh, in Norway, cross country skiing is is more popular than downhill skiing. Oh my god! Might somebody somebody might kill me for saying so, but culturally, Norway sees itself much more as a cross country skiing country than an alpine skiing country because wow. we well because we're cold because we're a long way north not because we're in oh, the mountains so you've got plenty so, ample spaces uh, to do that yeah yeah and, and and we don't have the big long you know downhill ski slopes that you get in europe so you've been out to the you've been out to the mountains you've yeah, been out to amazing. amazing mountains they're amazing yeah so that's that is certainly Unless you go onto the west coast, which is a little bit more alpine, it's basically like the Yorkshire Dales, but a lot colder. Well, I bet all our listeners didn't know they were going to learn that today. Hey, the things you can learn on this podcast. Oh my god, be amazing! And I'm definitely going to have some footage of of Glenn Gilmore doing uphill skiing. This is going to be awesome. I'm, not doing I'm excited it. I'm already. Refusing. I'm that, walking. That's no, it. He's going backwards. <laughs> he's going backwards. He's going backwards. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. On one of the few times I actually went skiing, I ended up going downhill backwards faster than I went forward, and I I, I still don't know what happened. Did you ever go? Anyway, there was no recovering from there. Hey? Did you ever go at it? No, no, I haven't been uphill skiing. I've never even seen it. It, I I think think it's actually called uphill skiing, Ross. It's called (laughs) cross-country. 
Oh, right. <laughs> but I like the fact that you're using the opposite to when we go downhill, which you can do in what's the name of the what's the name of the mountain in New Zealand that the kids always love saying it. Uh, oh, oh Ru- down at Ruapahu, down the national park. No, isn't um, it? Fuck a papa. I can't remember. Oh, fuck a papa. Yeah, that's that's one of the ski yeah. fields. Yeah. And that's then yeah. the kids love it. Love that they can <laughs> swear, but still say a name that they don't get into about trouble. That. Like a papa, yeah. like a papa. I've never thought of it that way. The, what do you um, mean you've never? What do you mean you've never thought? thought? No, I haven't. I haven't. What are you talking no, about? Never until That's right the now. The reason the kids it's say the same it so as much I've never heard of Pappy Two Toes until you told me Glen Gilmore. <laughs> Pappy, Pappy, there's a place in New Zealand called Pappy Toey Toey, and, oh. and I'm driving along, and Glen Gilmore goes, Pappy Two Toes. What the hell? That was was that Pat McGinley? Yeah, telling, that told you that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pat Pat McGinley, the old legend. So good. Anyway, right. Roscoe, what have you? Because you've been on quite the tour of the big boys of Pole. So first of all, what? What have you been? What the hell have you been doing in the last month? Well, four or five days before I, I went to Argentina the other day. Four or five days before that, I didn't really plan on going, but then I had to go and get a bit of stuff done. So I went over there on a. I think I was only there like five days. Um, and so you fly from New Zealand, you fly over, fly to Chile, change airplanes, and then fly to Argentina. What was amazing when I flew over the Andes? Was you come over the Andes and you actually then you, and you it was quite clear, you can see how much productive land there is in Argentina. Like you fly over Australia, you fly over heaps of desert, and and it, and it struck me in the states a couple of months ago too. Like you fly over a lot of the central of the country, and it's just seriously productive. That's why they grow so much beef there. There's crops, there's buddy irrigators, there's everything. It's it's an amazing country. I think it's got more natural resources than Australia. That place apparently. Wow. And twice the population. Wow. That's, that's 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 amazing, Ross. Thanks. And and but this is the amazing part about that. It's got more natural resources. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but this blows my mind. It's got more natural resources than Australia, but it can't run anything. They had twenty two percent one day I was there, they had twenty two percent interest and uh, not interest, inflation on the blue dollar, which is I'm not won't get into the blue dollar and the legit dollar and all that sort of stuff, but 22% inflation. We're talking about having 7% inflation is too high and 8%. They had it on one day, 22%. What? Yep. Wow. Unbelievable. That country is an absolute economic shambles. (laughs) Oh, it's insane. But it was a good, it was a good trip. They, um, it was a good trip. It was pretty amazing. It was amazing going to those, that cloning uh, meeting with the, Ernesto, the, the the Colombian guy who's uh, running hang, a big hang on, hang, hang on, back back up, back up, back up. So, how did this trip? Because he just out of the blue said, "Oh yeah, I can't make it next week. I'm off to Argentina." How, was it a planned trip? Did somebody say, like, "I really need some help with my saddles"? What what sparked you suddenly just dropping everything, becoming massively unreliable, even more unreliable than normal, and going off to Argentina? Only unreliable to you. The um to the people in my saddles, I'm extraordinarily reliable to. That's uh, why I went. The um I knew I had to go. I knew I had to go 
And I knew I had to go over, duck over and check everyone's saddles, check everyone where everyone's at because it's always a, a bit of a learning opportunity as well because you get all the feedback direct. You know, you talk to the grooms or via a translator quite often because my Spanish is so bad. The, um, but then and you talk to the pros, you get to see what horses, you get to run your hand over the horse's backs. Like you go through the barns, run your hand over the backs, you see for any reactions or anything like that and you talk to the players, you know, you go – How's this one going? And said, "Oh, it's this. I've got this. It's something's going on with the leg, and all this sort of stuff. That 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 sort of feedback is priceless. And um and yeah, that's what we did. I tried to get around. I, I got around sort of ninety percent of the people in our saddles over there, and um which was yeah a really good really good thing to do. And then um do a bunch of other things, go and catch up with a bunch of other people. But it was pretty. You imagine how ram packed it was. Five days." And Mariano, uh, Namu kindly uh, lent me his car and, um, and a gentleman that works with, with Namu called Mariano and he was sensational. He just he drove me everywhere and did translating and he's, uh, he's now, he can now fit saddles to, and change gallop plates and that sort of stuff, which is pretty I cool. your Spanish was good, Ross. No, my Spanish is horrific. Your English is barely possible, so your Spanish must be <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> oh, it was good though but, and, and is, is, is this is that now going to be a, a yearly thing where you go and you just go and tweak things and what's i've got to do it i've got to do it and and yeah i've got to do it because um it's just such a it's i've got to go over and tweak things and and chat to people and uh, um about those about basically it's sort of it's tweaking things but it's also there's a there's a real shift towards learning more about what they can do and how to utilize the saddles and and how to have them fitting better so they don't have to do the girth up so tight and all the really basic stuff like that. So so it's getting um it's getting yeah there's a there's a there's a there's a value for the information out there so it's sort of and and it's and it really stands and and is in line with what we're trying to do is make make stuff better for horses. So it's sort of yeah. it's a necessary thing. It's 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 a must. It is a must going forward. And saying that, it's sort of a must to get more involved globally with everyone in our saddles, or get saddle fitters, get them involved with the saddle fitters that are that are fitting our saddles, um, because it's just there's there's such a, a void of knowledge there in polo that it's um yeah that the, the information's needed and wanted. And was it just saddles, or were you looking at? Or were you looking at other sort of te- the other gear that you're doing as well and refining rider setups, bits, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, we have a little bit of a chat about that. Bits, we have a big. I took a bunch of bits over um, because um, a few people asked, so I just threw in. I just filled my bags with whatever I had with bits and stuff, and and um, they all disappeared real quick. There's a massive wow. shortage of really good quality of bits, quality bits over there. Yeah, and these bits have got a little bit of a reputation now. Have been quite nice. So. Uh, that was interesting. I didn't expect that either. What is a what does uh, a saddle fitter charge? I have no idea. Um, we I, I should know, but I don't because we actually pay when someone buys a saddle from us, a wolf lock saddle, um, like a series two. We actually, if it's in a country where we have saddle fitters, we actually throw the saddle fitting in. We we organise a saddle fitter and they go and fit it on the horses and and set them all up. Good job um, as well. So 
I do know the I do know the um, because because literally what we're trying to do is do a really good job of what we do and 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 running running my ho- running my hands over the horses' backs of the players that were in our saddles like there's no that's where the rubber meets the road like if I dig my fingers in and drag them down over the longitudinous muscle and 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 feel it all the way through like I, I, I it's direct feedback if you if you don't have your saddles right you know. Like I had, we had this conversation, Glenn, about one of the better players in the country, in England, that did, wasn't in our saddles, and I went to touch his horse's back, and they nearly laid down. You know, like it's direct feedback of what's going on. Obviously, there's other things. It's not always saddles. It can be skeletal. You got other issues going on there as well. Confirmation. But it still has a big, yeah, yeah. It still has a big, um, big impact on it, or massive impact on it. And I saw you. I saw you f- fiddling with some with some flocking. Um, did you were you having to make sort of major adjustments and changes, or was it sort of just generally sort of tweaking? General tweaking. There's um, the, the flocking side of it's a like a it's a real art, and and I'm I'm not like the best in the world at it by any means, but. Um, but you I'm certainly couldn't tell. Day. You certainly couldn't tell from that footage. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> you look very. You look very comfortable doing it. I, no, I, I've, got I, a, I I've got a pretty good idea. I've I've done a few now. I've got a I've got a pretty good idea of how not to mess things up. It's actually that's the biggest part is messing. If you just because what you do is you're just looking for any little like just to, like that's those saddles are twelve months old and you just want to have it, run your hand over and feel it. If you've got any holes, you, there's a certain way you can feel them without messing around with the whole balance of the saddle and so forth. But we, wow. but there's a whole – you could do 10 podcasts in a row on flocking saddles. We spent two years We spent two years trying to get you to, 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 to talk about it and we can't get you to talk about it for love nor money. So, yeah, it would be nice to actually get you to talk a little bit more about it. We've had it. the best – one of the best saddle fitters in the world, probably the best, on, Amanda. She was um, – yeah. she's forgotten more things than most saddle fitters will ever know. What else did you learn about the way that polo is being? Because obviously, the way that things are being done and the way that polo is being played in Argentina normally translates, you know, after the US season, the UK season. Are you seeing any major changes to the way the game is being played? Um, the first thing that pops into my mind isn't about Argentina. Isn't so much the way the game is being played. What? blows me away and particularly driving around the place with Mariano where he's very familiar with where everyone is and where they're based like we drove hours and hours and hours every day and and a lot of like the amount of horses and the amount of polo place polo farms the amount of polo players in that country like it just it just it blows me away every time I go there but even more so this time because I got to know of all these other places that don't you don't even know exist you just drive past them he's like oh no that's such and such as place they've got a club in there this you know the the amount like the rest of the world is just like an add-on to argentina when it comes to polo like argentina is the epicenter of polo and the like the literally the rest of the world is just tagged onto the to the side of it you know like there's so much going on there has that always been the case and it's just not it's just not particularly well advertised or is polo just becoming more and more, um, you know, more and more popular or expanding dramatically in Argentina? Uh, we should talk to Raul when we get him about this one, yeah. we get him on, but it's, it's, it's definitely expanding there. Like if you look over the last 20 years, 
it's changing it's changed shape completely and utterly um but as it has in other countries as well but down there it's just massive i think it's um yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely changed shape down there and i think whatever happens elsewhere in the world it gets magnified down there because there's so much scale yeah but what is also amazing with all that with all those horses with all those embryos that eduardo heggie was talking about when he was on the podcast and all the fillies and the sexing of the embryos and all that, that everyone is still desperate for a good horse. Like there's, you'd think there'd be horses everywhere that you want to own. There's horses everywhere, but there's not that many you want to own. Like if you're looking for horses, it, that's that that those those statistics just blow me away. And it's um, I've got my theories, but you know, I don't know, I don't know actually know the reason. Glenn, what do you think? I just think that the the style of polo, the way it's going, and the and the, it's just really hard to find that complete horse for those big guys. It's just really difficult. It doesn't matter what you do. It just and it takes so long to make the horse, and even with the numbers, if unless you've got everything right, oh, I think they overface them, put too much on them too early. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, what was also interesting was, yeah, what was also interesting was seeing the different like going and seeing Pilon's horses and I know them relatively well and seeing them like he rides a different style horse in Argentina that was also pretty interesting like it's not quite as tidy and it's um and it's seriously grunty um and but in England they're really really correct and they maybe they haven't quite got quite the power they have in Argentina uh, especially playing two in Argentina and he's a hell of a workhorse that guy so that was um, that was pretty interesting. It was interesting seeing the clones coming through. Um, that's a big topic. Yeah, and how did you – I saw you had a chat with the guys from Synergy Cloning. How did that come about and when are we getting um, them on? Actually, one of the guys that's at um, Elliston at the moment, uh, Wanchi Ambrosio, he, he organized all that for me. The, um, he, uh, he, yeah, he set, set that up and then, uh, then uh, he doesn't speak English, Ernesto. But but we still need to get him on the podcast. He's uh, he's a genius, that guy, and um and going and looking around that place was amazing. But um but saying that as well, which we discussed with him, clones aren't all clones. Like Ellis, like a good a good example is I I went and um uh, went and had a look. So I, I go all these places and just start chatting horses because that's what I'm interested in. And I caught up with Nacho Figueres and I'm, and I'm looking at his horses and he's like, this is a clone of Sue Ellen and, and Cambiasso is playing a clone of Sue Ellen. So it's, oh, so is there an age difference? He's, no, no, they're the same age. They both went to La Dolphina, but this one didn't handle the pressure and has come back and we're trying to put it back together. And that one's just gone amazing and is getting better from the pressure. So these are clones, same age, same everything, but one has handled it differently to the other. So that's you know it's um it's not an exact right. science. No, and I was talking from. to Jay Jay Winborn who were, yeah and I was talking to Jay Winborn who we've also had on the on the podcast yeah. and obviously Jay's the head of head of uh, NCHA which National Cutting Horse Association and they and they went through the cloning process uh, quite a few years ago and he said that there's none of the clones are actually as good as what the horses they cloned. So it hasn't had a lot of traction. There's obviously a big barrier to entry with regards to the cloning price, but it's interesting that that has that that industry hasn't grabbed it with both hands and and run with it. Like there's he's you know he he had a lot of interesting things to say about it. 
But the, the, the thing that I'm finding more and more cloning being done is people are going, God, we don't really know which horses clone that well because not even all the ones that Adolfo did have cloned really well, apart from Cordetera and a couple of a couple of the other ones. But that's why people are then sitting there going, oh, God, you know, uh, should we be cloning or not is the way I see it. Yeah, it's a really good question. The um, I think – the the um, people, a lot of people, I ask everyone that, and a lot of people say, "Oh, well, we clone. We don't just clone for the for the for the horse to go and play. We clone to, to keep the bloodlines going." So that leads me to my next question: Like, you look at those two Wembley clones. One is a very different type of horse to the other, and I don't care how many people tell me all the quarter terrors were the same. When I walked through the barn like years ago, I was like, "These horses aren't even nearly like." They're similar for sure. You can all like you can you have to look twice on something on most of them, but they're all quite different. The Brilliant. um but the but what I think is gonna be really interesting is what okay, so we got the two Wembley clones or we got the two Sue Ellen clones. Like are they a like and genetically I was talking to Ernesto and it's like they are a carbon copy. You could not tell the difference between the two genetically, like like DNA and all that. So they effectively should breed on, like as though they're identical mares, as though they're the one mare, and they should breed like Sue Ellen. But I don't know. Do like when do we find out, and how do we get the data for whether or not that horse will actually like which of those two, like you breed with those two Sue Ellens, which one's actually going to breed on, or will the nervous traits or whatever the not being able to handle pressures of trait breed on? Like there's a lot of variables in that. I like we don't know. No, it's only time. <clears throat> mm. But one yeah. thing it is, one thing it 100% is, it's a way to get like a Khalifa, I think was the name of Mariano Aguirre's horse, and I saw a heap of those. I went through um, La Mojitos, La Mochitos Barn, uh, caught up with Nick Manifold and Mariano, and and um, and the, that was um, – and, and – so that stallion was a famous stallion of Mariano's uh, quite a long time ago, which they cloned, and then they got. It, not, but he was a gelding, obviously, and then they've got him as a stallion. Now they're breeding with him, so that's a great success story, and that's a real positive to cloning. You know, like the Wembley. You know, he was a gelding, and now they're breeding with him, and he's and he's breeding on well. You know, so it's it's um, that side of it's got to be amazing, and the fact that you've got a mare. Oh, actually, you know what's even more amazing. One of the stories, we'll bring this up when we talk to Ernesto. So a horse died, broke a leg, whatever, died on the polo field. No, it must have had a heart attack because it was dead. And it was this guy's favorite horse and amazing horse. Ernesto raced to the, raced to the ground, took out the embryos, like through ICSI, because that's going into the, into the embryo itself, taking out the ova. I think that's, I think that's the right terminology. And then right. went and propagated, so to speak fertilized and 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 i saw one of the foals one of the, in one of the videos i sent you guys to and that you posted nick was one of the foals from that dead bear <clears> that wow. it took and apparently you can do it for two hours after they die you can still get the eggs out of them wow that's ridiculous yeah or 24 hours 24 hours with the skin apparently or the maybe and two two hours to, if you want to get the bone marrow out to do the stem cells to clone uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a, the science is amazing, but there's something about that that just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. The question I have, 
question I have is what is it going to do to the polo industry as a whole? Because yep. all of a sudden, because you, you look at, okay, so let's look at Argentina. Or you've got all those guys making horses and they're selling horses for 15 to 35 grand. All those horses cost 35 grand to make each. That's just the way, that's the way maths works if you have horses, whether or not you wash it into a farm costs or whatever. It's going to cost you that, you know, 25 to 35 grand depending on your operation. Then so what happens is all of a sudden those guys that would they'll they they rely on selling one for a hundred to two hundred grand every two or three years or four years depending on their operation whatever but that actually makes the bill and actually pays for everything so all of us when this cloning when this cloning gets involved like well not gets involved cloning's here and and it's already having an impact but with cloning what that does is two things Say we get 75% of the champion. Say we 100% is the champion. Even if it's 75%, it's still a really good horse. Like those other quarter terrors are really good horses. Even if Cambiasso is not playing them, they're really good horses. They're still playing the open. Okay, so, so you get those. So it's less chance that, those, that he's going to go and buy one of those. He will buy any horse that's good enough to be in there, make no mistake, and he's always looking. But it's less chance for them to actually produce one good enough to get in that crowd. You know, because these guys, all of a sudden, Cambiasso is not cloning five quarter terrors or ten quarter terrors. He's cloning 30, you know. And so the horse has to be so good to get into there. And not only that, all of a sudden, there's going to be more accessible good horses. So your strings are better. So there's even less chance of that guy turning up with one good enough to get in there. You know, am I making myself clear there? So basically what it's happens, what's going to happen is the barrier to it, the, the level of horse is going to get better without a doubt, yeah. because it's yeah. easier and more accessible to get a champion, which makes it harder for the Joe Blogs here that sells one good one every two or three or four years that actually pays for all his business and his polo. So it's harder for him to get that horse in there. But also those guys are actually producing so many so many more of them. Maybe they don't even need that guy's horse. Or it's, that's also why it becomes more difficult. Does that mean that the price of horses for normal players goes up or down because that's um, the thing yeah we, we've talked about we've talked about you know what's you know how do we get more people into the sport it's just cost it's, it's just if, uh, and this is this is my opinion it's now to even get going is just so so expensive I don't think it is. Oh, it depends what country and you know. In England, if you have two horse float and two horses, you go to you have to find the club that 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 wants to accommodate you. In Ireland, you don't even need any. The cheapest place in the place in the world to play polo is in Ireland. A, a little club up there, which has great people and great environment. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think. And in New Zealand, you need two horses on a horse float. I don't think it's and and they only barely have to be polo ponies. You know, like they only got to be able to hit a ball. Like I think the barrier of entry at a good level is really high, but I don't think the barrier of entry at a low level, if you want to just get out and have a little bit of fun, a bit of a knock around, I don't think it's that high unless you're in a population, a really populated area. But then even if you're in Windsor, there's little clubs around Windsor that will cater for the, for the, for the person that turns up with two horses and flopping around. But if you want to go and yeah. buy a horse that's ready to go turnkey, walk in and which is where I think you're framing your question a bit more. Like you want to buy a horse that someone wants to take back to Norway and play polo on. The price of those, I'm not sure 
it comes down to supply and demand, as prices always do. And if you push people out of the market that are producing them over the long term, I'm talking, you know, yep. there's um, um, the price has to go up because it's general basic supply and demand economics. So yep. that's a possibility. But a, a lot of those horses also come from the farms, from the estancias, like from working cows. So maybe that doesn't get that impacted. I'm not sure. Um, what is, though, like just to throw this in the mix, Ernesto, is, he thinks in his business model that he's going to be cloning 500 horses next year. 500 Jesus. horses. Get your head around that one. And that's one, that's one guy. That's the only guy. Is it? Really. Is that yeah, the only guy? another guy cloning there, but, you know, they've, they're, and he's had been successful in the past, but I don't know why, but he hasn't, he's not getting it that right now. In comparison. And what are they charging? What are they charging down there for a clone? Did you say, Ross? What are they charging? If you walk in and don't know anyone, you're probably going to be paying for one clone fifty grand US. Um, if you know who you're dealing with, you know people, and you get a deal done, you're probably more around. And and still, a, a, you know, from overseas, you'll still be looking at like thirty five. But I'm picking that um, Nacho Figueres. He's cloning ten Suellans as we speak, and. Uh, and another horse, I can't remember the name of it, but he's cloning like five or six of those. He probably, I don't know, I don't know, but he wouldn't have been paying those same rates, that's for sure. And is that is that 50 grand? Two months old. Made, two made, months old. Or is that 50 grand? Holy moly. <laughs> Does it come with any free tax? <laughs> Do they come with any free tax? Uh, it's interesting though. What's what? Or a hoodie. What could shape? What could change shape? Is um, I think um, yeah. Maybe we need to save some of this for the podcast with the Nesto. Yes, I'll just brush up my Spanish, and I'm sure we'll get into the nuances. Uh, we of, got, um... we've got a, we've got Pepe, who's a really good translator and and, and does a lot with the Nesto. So has a great understanding. Wow. He's lined up as well. Cool. Oof. But now, wow. yeah, uh, yeah, interesting that, that sounds like you've had a sounds like you've had a very interesting. Yes, Roscoe. So some more interesting things that came out of that trip. <laughs> the um, um, uh, Facundo Pierres went through his ob- horses. Obviously, um, it was nice to catch up with him, and he's got um, um, he got his a photo I sent through to you of um, his best horse this year, six yeah. years old, six years old. That would that blew me away. Um, Tommy Galbrini, which wow, Tommy Galbrini, who we spoke about earlier in in, um, in the podcast today, playing in Australia with the winning team yesterday, he's Facundo's main one of his main pilots. Um, yeah. Legendary bloke, really, really nice, really good horse. Horribly good, horribly good looking. Is he good looking? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but on, on, on that on that on that note, but on that note, just want to jump in. Facundo had a horse injured in the final yesterday. On what note? On Facundo's horses. Not the other note. Oh, sorry. That, that, that note, not the that other note. note. Not the other note. Yeah. Um, Facundo had a, had, a, had a horse injured in the final yesterday. Uh, it got trailered off. So um, I hope the – Facundo, I know you're a big listener. Um, so I just hope that, uh, hope that horse is safe and well. For any listener anyway, – yeah. For any listeners – that have gone to this point of the podcast, 
give us in the comments when when put when Nick Thank puts, you. when Nick puts this out on the social media and 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 um you know whatever he does on the Instagram thing, if you give us three for thumbs up, we know you want Facundo Perez on the podcast. Okay, and if you then and if we get, I'll give, another, you, I'll give you three thumbs. I'll give you three thumbs uh, up right now. No, if we get twenty of three thumbs, three thumbs up on that po- on that on that on those comments in the Instagram, I will make it my mission next summer to get him on the podcast. Okay, so we'll soon find out who's listened to. We're going to make it our mission anyway. Well, hang on, hang on, hang, hang on. Why do we need thumbs up to make it your mission to get him on the? Why are you not I on the case? You're still listening. And come on, Nick, catch, keep up. The more <laughs> comments you get on your algorithms, the more it gets pushed around to other people. Come on. Genius. Genius. Yes. That's how we've got 240 views, 240,000 views of the pink saddle. <laughs> yeah. Comments. Amazing. Eh? It is unbelievable. Um, okay. Yes. So we need 20 sets of three thumbs up. So that's 60 thumbs up. Just 20 people. Three thumbs up each. Okay. 20 people, three thumbs up. You heard it here. Good. Right, Roscoe, go. Next. Um, it's just speaking a lot of views. Have you seen how many views that uh, Monty Roberts um, video of the round yard has had? I think it's had like 300,000 views as well. Everyone's angry at the American government. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And you were speaking so highly of the Americans just a minute ago. What was I saying about the Americans? You just said that the American, the American economy was just like Argentina economy. I mean the Argentina Argentine economy. No, the Argentine economy is a shambles. Yeah, like you, the inflation's so bad there. So so inflation is so bad there. Like in two thousand and twenty, when the peso and, and the dollar was like uh, what's it, what was it called? Linked, tethered, tethered, linked, whatever. The, um, so it was a dollar for pound, peso versus dollar was equal, you know. Okay. And then it decoupled. And then, um, and now it's like 900 in the blue dollars, 950 pesos to one dollar. So a meal was like, you know, 20, 25, 25 US dollars, 25 pesos 20 years ago. And now a meal is like 30,000 pesos. Well, no, that'd be a meal for two. So, you know. It'll be like twenty five thousand or whatever, depending on what you ate. Isn't that mind blowing? And so you got to have a big wad of wow. money. Like you need a big. I carry my backpack of just peso cashola that was worth nothing just to pay your bills. And millionaire. And for trick for um, someone that's traveling to Argentina, take note of this: if you pay with your credit card, like the hotel I stayed at the first night, I went to pay with my credit card. And it was like 440 US dollars. I'm like, well, that's a bit punchy. And then um, Mariano, my savior, said, no, 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 I'll pay with pesos. How much is it with pesos? And it was this amount, but it converts to 175 US instead because you pay with pesos because there's two exchange rates. There's the blue dollar, which is the the exchange rate you get on the street. And the exchange rate is 350 through the banks. So that's a good that's a good lesson for anyone going over there. Hey, you learn more than just about horses and then on this podcast, don't you? <laughs> Every day's anyway, a school day with Ross. Every day's a school day with Ross Ainsley. 
So you're back. Oh, God. Yes, Ross. Do you know what else I saw that I was amazed oh, by? Here we go. Okay, so Mariano, this, my saviour, <laughs> he was um, – he's also a cattle trader and, and uh, well, tr- um, he's involved in the slaughtering and export of beef. Um, and he was saying that – and because we're driving around and you see a lot of – in Australia, you drive everywhere and you see black cattle nowadays, and uh, which are Angus cattle. But in Argentina, you drive around and like paddocks will be half black where we were where we were going. I can't speak for the whole country, obviously, but where we were, there was so many red Angus, it was it was incredible. But because in Australia, you get a premium on your black cattle as oh. as you do in New Zealand. So, but over there, you get a you you actually make a little bit more money because apparently the red Angus yield out a bit better or something like that. But there's no just straight black cattle. But I might be getting a little bit off topic. But I thought that was amazing because I like cattle. <laughs> so the NRG podcast, the horse and cow that asked why in peso in pesos. Oh god! Over, over profitable land Jesus. at a twenty-two percent inflation rate with some cloning and other questions and stories. I can go more into the farming side of things, but I think I'll put you to sleep. No, 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 it's it's all right, it's all right. There's no there's no rush to go into the fight. It's really kind, and and thank you very much for the offer. <laughs> I, I actually think we'll be all right. It is amazing, though. That place is in, it's an incredible oh country. God. So you're now back. Is that is that that's that's the Argentine? That's the update on Argentina. <laughs> I think so. No goats, no goats or sheep or anything. No, there's don't, hardly don't, any don't, sheep. That's oh, what amazed me. Oh, what have you done? What have you done? So I'm, I'm driving along. <laughs> I'm driving along and I'm like, Mariana, why don't I see any sheep anywhere? He said, no, no one does sheep. You only do a couple for the barbecue. And so I thought there'd be lots of sheep, like Australia. There'd be sheep and cattle, but it's mainly it's where we were going. Was I actually need to go over that whole country. And then we can do a podcast series of... Ross's uh, travels are actually. Why don't we all go around Argentina? No, no. I was going. I was going to say, if you're doing a tour of Argentina, there is no way on earth that I'm one letting you go unattended. How because, good would that be? Oh my god, no! It, if you went unattended, no, it would not be good. If the three <laughs> of us went, well, seeing seeing as Glenn's going to be there anyway, he's obviously gearing up for gearing up to do hopefully more stuff in the future. You're going to be going back to tweak saddles. I need to find some sort of professional justification to get across there at the same time as well. Um, obviously by this time next year, I'll be able to jack in my day job and you know, the, the big bucks will be rolling in from, uh, from the, from the merch that we're just about to launch on podcast merch that we're going to put out on Etsy once, once it's been test driven. Um, but yeah, I, forgot, well, I like that merch, Nick May, those photos you sent through the other day. So you're now back in New Zealand. Things are drying up. Things are warming up. Oh, it's so cold and wet here today. <laughs> but um, but it's been good. Yeah, I've got a haul of horses. There's a heap of horses in. There's another 20 or 30 to come in. There needs to be, by the end of next week, there needs to be about seven, no, 50, 60, 60, just over 60 horses in work. So we're all go. So you got two grooms. <laughs> I don't know how many they got. Kel looks after all that. <laughs> my my crater's looking looking pretty good. So crater's um, looking yeah. good. Yeah, crater's looking it's good. Looks absolutely fantastic. And then what what else is what else? Is, so we've got 
So looking forward, what we do need to do is start getting some more information about the the guests that we've got coming up. We've got Anna Hall. Um, we've got Anna Hall that we're chatting to tomorrow. Um, and that's going to be a, the um, the CEO of the HPA. That'll be, that should be fantastic. Phenom- the HPA being? Yep. It is the Hurlingham Polo Association. So she's a, she's a, she's a, she's the lead a lead a, a, she she at the head of that or what what's her role yeah there? she yeah she, she's the, executive yes she's as executive. as the title suggests CEO um, I don't really understand that <laughs> Elon Musk makes himself you seen what he does he doesn't believe in any of those titles and he, and he just takes a piss out of him makes him all these fictitious titles God he's funny. Did I just yeah, get talking. off topic? No, not at all. <laughs> Elon Musk is going to be the head of the C. Is going to be the head of the HPA, um, and is going to be helping out uh, Anna. Which is going to- <laughs> so it should, it should be quite an interesting interview to hear what Elon's got planned for the uh, for the HPA in the in, in the next in the next season. Oh god! Yeah. Right, anyway, on for that the rabbit cup. For, oh, you, we have to do. I'm sorry. We have to do. I, I I reached out to Tidworth and I said, "Can we enter a team? It might not strictly be within the you know um what the, other uh, guidelines bracket minus six to minus two. Oh, or minus or minus two. <laughs> or, that's a, that's a or, or minus. Know, two. I mean, you you sh- you should you should comfortably be in it, Ross. But it's going to yeah. be um, Glenn and I. Will struggle. Yeah, I don't know how you're going. Ten goals. That's a. Lot. You're going to need a lot of players of minus two. It's been a good catch up. I don't know how much of what we've done is actually usable, but um, it's certainly been a, certainly been a good, been a good catch up. If if not only the one thing about hotels and paying for them in Argentina for any of those going to Argentina that is yeah. worth listening to this whole podcast on. I'm going to save you a fortune. <laughs> well, I'm going there next week. So. In two weeks. Yes. So take some blue dollars um, and pay for your pesos blue. on your credit card. And <laughs> if you fly in from Chile, apparently the land, productive land, is amazing. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> and go and get, a, get yourself a Mariano. Oh, 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 <laughs> that is the only bit of rational sense you just well, that was just spoken in that last, you know, bit of conversation. Get, get Mariano involved. Except he's full time with Manu. Uh, Namu. Manu. Namu. Anyway, on that note, it's been a wonderful catch up. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the chat that we're having tomorrow. And uh, I'll see you then. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, mate. Hi, everybody. We really hope that you enjoyed that episode. We absolutely love doing them. We're trying to grow this, uh, this community and we're trying to grow and we're trying to spread the word. And you're a big part of that. So if we could ask, that if you go to wherever you get your podcasts and if you're not already doing so, follow the show and share it with all your network, that would be much appreciated. Secondly, if you'd like to write us a review, that really helps to get us noticed and move us up the the league tables of the podcasts uh, and spread that word. Lastly, we really wanted to thank you for all of your feedback, all of you that have taken the time to reach out to us, either with pointers of where we can improve, suggestions of who we could interview, or uh, just give us words of encouragement. It's really very much appreciated. Thank you so much, and please keep it coming. Uh, And lastly, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Um, We love doing these podcasts, and hopefully you enjoy them too.